In Christ, God has lavished redemption on us, just poured it over us. And God knew exactly what God was doing. I mean, sometimes we think, well, I hear that preacher, I hear that you're saying I'm chosen by God, loved, forgiven, claimed, but there's some stuff about me you don't know. This uh, rich and powerful book of Ephesians uh, is just so profoundly deep that you can never plumb the depths of it. In fact, this 12-verse reading we have before us today, a uh, preacher could spend uh, the entire time in any one of these 12 verses. So, Ephesians is a letter about living together in the midst of human differences. The author writes to uh, a largely Gentile audience, though the author is Jewish, with a, mes a message that in Christ, God has made both groups into one, as Katie referenced, that uh, the, the walls of hostility between us are coming down. So this passage feels relevant. Hmm? And... I do this every once in a while, but it occurred to me as I read through this passage, I haven't done it for a while, so I want to just walk through these 12 verses, uh, just kind of open each one just a little bit. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Heavenly places, heavenly realms, the term is used quite a bit in Ephesians, though it's used on pretty much nowhere else in, in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, beyond the reach of death and dying and depression and disease. Whatever the heavenly places brings to mind for you, it certainly means these things. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. And, you know, uh, we, we, we trip a little bit on this uh, idea because, you know, I decided uh, to come to church this morning. I decided to be a member of a church. I decided to be a Christian or accept Jesus into my heart or however this experience has been for you. What does it mean to be chosen even before creation? And chosen for what? To be holy and blameless? Who, me? <laughs> he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ. Verse 5. According to the good pleasure of his will. So not only chosen, but actually adopted as God's children through Jesus Christ. Now, adoption was not unfamiliar to the citizens of the ancient world. Those who were adopted would take on the status and the name of their, of their parents and would stand sometimes, because generally uh, the families who were doing the adopting were in the wealthier class, so they stood to, to inherit immense wealth and, and power oftentimes. So a prime example of this, and maybe the author intended to remind all of those who would read this letter, is the adoption within the imperial family. Emperor Augustus 
had been adopted by his uncle Julius Caesar. Augustus then adopted his wife's son, Tiberius. Tiberius subsequently adopted Germanicus. And it was Caligula, the son of Germanicus, who then succeeded Tiberius. And also the infamous Nero was adopted by his stepfather, Claudius. Maybe the author of Ephesians is deliberately making the point that we, by the grace of God, have been adopted into a glorious new family with a previously unimaginable high status to share the responsibility of wielding the glorious power of God's love in the world. Why would God do this? In accordance with His pleasure and will. God's will. Where do we hear this? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Matthew, we read, going a little further, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it be possible, may this cup, this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed upon us the beloved. Glorious grace, freely given in Christ. Okay. I get it then. I, I didn't choose it, at least to the extent that I often convince myself that I had something to do with this connection to this community of faith in Christ, not by my own free will am I a child of God, and I certainly didn't earn it. I don't even kid myself that might be the case. It turns out that this glorious grace has been freely given to me in Christ, and that is just the best thing ever. It's the best possible news, and it extends beyond my earthly experience into the heavenly places. It, it started before me, it goes with me, and it's out there in my future, in the heavenly places. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us, with all wisdom and insight. This is such good news. In Christ, God has lavished redemption on us, just poured it over us, and God knew exactly what God was doing. I mean, sometimes we think, well, I hear that, preacher. I hear that you're saying I'm chosen by God, loved, forgiven, claimed, but there's some stuff about me you don't know. And, you know, you might have seen my uh, social media profile and, you know, the face I present to the world, but there's stuff about me that maybe God doesn't even know. And yet we hear that God knew what God was doing with all wisdom and understanding. <laughs> How could anyone keep from sharing this? How fun to be a part of a community when our whole job is to share this good news, to live it out, to give it away. Verse 9, He has made known to us the mystery of His will, 
according to the good pleasure that he set forth in Christ. Remember, not my will, but your will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have to rely on our own will, and we don't have to guess about God's will. God let us in on God's intentions for us. Verse 10 is a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Pastor Natalia referenced the half circle that's completed. We are the church on earth. We are the saints of heaven. Bringing unity. Doesn't that sound like a rich promise these days? Unity in all things. Imagine conservatives and liberals, white nationalists and black panthers, Jews and Gentiles, Palestinians, the living and the dead. Unity. All things. Verse 11, in Christ we have also obtained an inheritance. It's, also, it's almost like as you read the Scripture, it just ratchets up the good news. You keep thinking it's as good as it could get, and then the next verse, and then the next verse. In Christ we have also, as if all of that were not enough, in Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will. So in case you missed it before, there it is again. You don't have to get all lost in the concept of predestination with all of its layers of interpretation, difficult questions, you know, unless you want to. I think it's enough to let it sink in that you are chosen. You, the actual current version of you sitting right here now or at home or wherever you happen to be hearing this message. Not the person you think you should be or one day could be or probably ought to be. God chooses you now. The body of Christ, you will hear, given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Now. Why? Verse 12, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. We are a witness to the world of the glory of God. We are witnesses to the hope in Christ People should look at us and wonder what is up with them. <laughs> Why so generous? Why so full of joy? Why so committed to reach out to those less fortunate? Verse 13, In Him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in Him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. When you were baptized, you, you, this, this, you hear this language, it's echoing, you heard it somewhere, maybe you, you realize right away where it came from. When you were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, this promise was also spoken, your name, child of God, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. Verse 14, 
This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. It's almost legal language, as if we've been brought before the judge to hear the reading of the will. Guaranteeing our inheritance. Jesus will call it the new covenant in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. It will be known as the New Testament because it is a promise. And even on this All Saints Day, which always includes some grief and grieving, some of it fresh for some of us, it is filled with good news. So in the next chapter, we will read, So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to you who are near. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens and saints and also members of the household of God. I don't know this morning if you happen to be feeling near to this good news or far from it, but the power of this gospel rests not in how you are feeling, but in the truth and love of the one who speaks it and gives it. The body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you, you, the real you, the right now you, for the forgiveness of your sin. The book of Ephesians um, is written in the voice of St. Paul. and um, If you hadn't uh, known otherwise, you would make the assumption that Paul himself wrote it. Uh, but scholars, most all scholars agree that it's unlikely that St. Paul himself wrote this this letter, but someone in the tradition, uh, a follower of Paul's, perhaps a disciple, someone who was steeped in Paul's own preaching, wrote this book, which used to bug me when I first learned that. Like, what a sneaky thing this guy's saying. He's Paul, is not Paul. What, you know? But uh, now I think of it, and I think it's, it's just lovely. This deeply, profoundly powerful passage of Scripture is given to the church by some anonymous person who on some level thought, I don't matter here. This truth, this gift, this gospel matters. And so we gather around this profoundly important word for the world and for each of us together this morning. Let's just close by hearing it straight through one more time after having walked through it together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight. God has made known to us the mystery of God's will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we also have obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward the redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. Signed, Anonymous. This gospel, could it be any better? You are a chosen, beloved, forgiven child of God, fed with the body and blood of Christ and sent out into a world that's waiting to hear the same. So, on this All Saints Sunday. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.